working our way through. And <clears throat> Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21, the end of the uh, of chapter 3 here this morning. And if you've got a bulletin, there should be an insert in the bulletin with the outline for this morning. And while you're turning there, if, <clears throat> if there's one thing that I've never really understood, it's people who love to run. I'm not going to say what I really think about individuals who, who love to run because my mother is one of those individuals that loves to run. Um, and my brother-in-law is one of those individuals that loves to run. Uh, my mom gets up at 4 a.m. just about every morning. Uh, she takes care of two kids, um, and they live in a gated community. And my mom gets up at 4 a.m., goes out to that gated community, and she spends the next two hours running between 8 and 13 miles, just kind of depending on what time allows. Um, doesn't matter the temperature. You know, she usually doesn't run when it's raining, but uh, she's been out there when it's cold. She's been out there when it's hot. And... Uh, she enjoys to run, and uh, my brother-in-law is kind of the same way. He, he's in the Army National Guard, and, and uh, he runs between 8 and 10 miles on a consistent basis. Um, and I've, I've never understood this love of, of running because, you know, growing up playing sports and those kind of things, if we were made to run, it was usually as punishment. <laughs> it, was, it was for doing something wrong. So, so I've always equated running with punishment. Um, you know, so it was, uh, running's never been the purpose behind why I play sports. Uh, and it's probably why I don't like to run, but, but you know, there, there's, when it comes to running, there's, there's different types of, of races. Uh, you have your, your, your sprints and you have your, your marathons and you, you have these different competitions. And, you know, we all are familiar with the famous races like the, the Boston Marathon where, uh, people and in the New York Marathon where people will run for 26 miles. Uh, to see who comes out on top. Uh, growing up in Jacksonville, every year there was the River Run, which was a 13-mile marathon um, or half marathon. And, and when we lived in Atlanta, they had the, the Peachtree Run. Uh, I was watching the news yesterday, and over in Fletcher, North Carolina, yesterday morning they had what they called the Frostbite Run. Uh, it was uh, a 10K run that was, that was run yesterday morning in the snow. Um, and I thought, you know, those people have lost their minds <laughs> to, to want to, to go and do it. But, you know, there, there are people who enjoy that. And, and running has become popular in the, in the past few years. In fact, <clears throat> they've, they've began these things that they call fun runs. Has anybody ever heard of a fun run? You know, it, it, it's an oxymoron to me. I, I don't think of any running to be fun. But, but they call them fun run. And, and with the fun run, there is no, there is no race. It's... it's and these things are usually held to, to raise money for certain types of causes. There's, you know, ones for cancer and, and ones for, for autism and, and certain causes that they have these things. But, but in a fun run, everybody is a winner. Everybody gets a medal. You know, you don't even have to run in a fun run. You can walk it. You can jog it. You can trot it. You know, you, you can, uh, uh, as long as you cross the finish line, you get to, to, to pick up your medal at the end. Um, <clears throat> but is, is the point of running a race to have a, a fun run, to have, you know, where everyone's a, a winner, to, to, to have it where, you know, the person that finishes first gets the same reward as the person who finishes last. Is that the point of a race? You know, or how about, you know, uh, at the Summer Olympics, you know, every four years we, we have the Olympics and these countries get together. Do they have fun runs? 
You know, do, do at, the, at the end, do they, do they compete and, and, and train for years on end only to, to you know, be equal at everybody else? Or do you ever watch the Olympics and, and, and see the, the, the running that goes on and the, the, the 400 yard uh, or the 400 meter dash or whatever it is? You know, those things are usually, the, the winners of those races are usually determined by milliseconds. You know, it, it is so close. It, and, and is winning important when it comes to, to running in the Olympics? You know, or, or for that matter, any sport. You know, does, does any, anybody enter into a sport to play a sport just so that they can, you know, uh, everybody be a winner at the end and everybody get a trophy? Or is the point of sports to have a winner? Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> as we look at chapter 3 this morning, we're going to see, um, you know, these, these last 10 verses here. And, and, and Paul equates the pursuit of being Christ-like to that of a race. It, it's, it's uh, um, and, and, and like any race, the, the point of, of running a race, a race is to win the race. And so as we look at that this morning, I want us to, to see the, the reason why we should pursue this, this Christ-like life. And, and, and you know, not, not get into the race just to, just to walk through it just to, to, to make strides or to, 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 to go at your own pace. But we want to enter the race to pursue Christ like we want to win it. And that's what Paul uses there. So if you have your Bible, look at uh, Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Father, as we look at your word this morning, we pray for open hearts and open minds, ears to hear. Father, that we might uh, hide your word in our heart. That we wouldn't be happy with, with doing things halfway or half-heartedly, but that we would give our whole lives to pursuing a life that you've called us to live. So be with us as we dive into your word this morning. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Paul is talking to the people of Philippi, and he uses this illustration of running. And it's an illustration that, that they would have been familiar with. The region of Philippi was close to the, the country of Greece. Greece is known for the Olympic Games. And so they were, they were familiar with the different sporting events that would take place every few years in Greece. And it was a, it was a very big deal. 
And so Paul is, is using this sports metaphor here. And, and Paul likes to use these examples. He likes to use sports. I, I think that maybe he was a, a big fan of sports. In, in Philippians, he uses this example of a race. And in 1 Corinthians, he uses the example of a, not only a race, but of boxing. And in Ephesians, he uses terms that people would have identified with wrestling. And so uh, Paul is, is constantly using these, uh, these examples of sports. And, and why <clears throat> I ask myself, you know, why that would be so. But if you look at it today, aren't sports popular? I mean, do you know what sports are going on right now? If you, if you have cable television and, and you happen to have ESPN or on Saturdays on, on CBS or, or NBC, you know, there's always a sport on. Right now it's college basketball. You know, today it's going to be NASCAR with the, with the Daytona 500. And, and the, the all-star uh, NBA game this weekend. You know, it, there's all these sports. And, and aren't sports popular? I mean, where are you more likely to find people on a Sunday afternoon, in church or at a football game? <laughs> and, and with sporting events, don't they give millions upon millions of dollars towards, towards their favorite sport? You know, I, I, I was joking with someone not long ago, and I said, you know, that particular football team has the best worship service around. They have more people who show up, who get excited about the game, who, who are praising their team. And they pay all kinds of money to, to experience that, to, to be a part of that. And they talk about it like they're out there giving 110% to make the game happen, but they're just a spectator. But, but, but aren't sports a big deal in our culture? And, you know, it, it's no different over time. It, it's been like that. And... But, but can anybody walk out of the stands of, at a sporting event, join the team, get out there and, and become the greatest player all of a sudden? You know, do they just let any Joe Blow out of the stands onto the field and, and, and to play with the team? No, it, there's, some, there's something that's called skill, <laughs> something that's called talent that's required for, for people to be able to play these types of things. And, and if... And Paul using these, these examples of sport, what I want us to do this morning is look at this and look at it from this, this perspective of, of a sport, of, of running a race. And, and just as with any sport, you have to train, you have to prepare yourself, you have, you have certain uh, procedures and, and rules that you have to follow, there are certain requirements that you must know. But after you've gone through all of the, the trials, after you've gone through everything that is required to compete in a sport, to compete in a race... There's a prize at the end. And looking at that through that type of example this, this morning, I want us to, to see what, what Paul is talking about when he calls us to pursue a life in Christ and how he relates it to, to something that people are familiar with, sports. And so, you know, just like no one comes out of the stands and, and becomes a big hitter on the field, it takes, takes time, it takes practice, it takes talent, it takes uh, determination. When it comes to, to pursuing a, a life like Christ, you know, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you don't automatically become that big hitter. You don't automatically become the model Christian. You don't become Billy Graham overnight. And so Paul, uh, you know, and, and I think Paul's addressing that because there's a lot of misconceptions with people when, when they begin to follow Christ, that they begin to get serious about pursuing Christ, that, that there's things that they keep, finding themselves falling into or struggling with or, you know, they, they don't feel like they measure up because they can't seem to quite grasp it. 
And Paul is giving some assurance here. He's giving some, some comfort in, in saying, you know, look, these things don't happen overnight. And not everybody's the, the best, you know. <clears throat> but you do, you do have to prepare. You do have to, to follow the rules. But most of all, you have to get out there and you have to, you have to work at it. And so just as there's, there's these things in, in running a race, I want us to look at that this morning. And, and the first is this, is that when it comes to, to pursuing a life of Christ, there is <clears throat> some preparation that takes place. Paul knew that in order to, to be like Christ, it doesn't happen overnight. And, and just like a, a marathon runner, that doesn't happen overnight. Has anybody ever in here tried to run more than 100 yards at a time? pretty difficult <laughs> you know do you know how long a marathon is 26.2 miles could you run that overnight or does it take some preparation does it take some training and so you know when it comes to pursuing life christ there's some preparation there's some training that that needs to take place and 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 like you and like me i am sure that paul struggled with some sins I'm sure that Paul struggled with some sins of his past. And, and in order to, to try and move on and, and become more like Christ, we need to take some, some steps. And we need to, uh, we need to be aware of, of the things that, that, that need to be done in preparation for running this, this life that Christ has called us to. And so with that being said, I, I want us to, to see how in these first uh, five verses here, how, how Paul kind of outlines of what it's like to, to pursue Christ and, and what we need to, to be aware of and, and, and some things that we need to do. And the first thing I want you to see is in verse 12. Look at the first, first part of verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul is telling us that we have to be aware. Any athlete who, who plays a sport, who, who knows a sport, also has to know something about himself. He has to know his limitations. He has to know his strengths, he has to know his weaknesses, but, but he, he has to know his, his limitations. But he also has to know about his opponent. He has to know his opponent's strengths, his opponent's weaknesses, and, and, and prepare himself and be aware of where he is physically. And in our pursuit of, of being like Christ, we need to be aware of who we are. We need to be aware of, of who we are in Christ, but, but also we need to know about ourselves, where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are. You know, if we're not careful, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're better than we are. If we're not careful, we can, we can keep ourselves in the pit, telling ourselves that we'll never be good enough. And so, in this pursuit of, of, of being like Christ, we can either fall into this trap of self-righteousness, or we can, uh, we can fall into the trap of of, of, of depression and, and, and self-deprivation. But <clears throat> when that happens, are we able to pursue Christ? When we think that we're more highly than we should be. Um, <clears throat> you know, Paul was, was this person who was the religious of the religious, as we saw last week. He was the, the, the person who other religious people were trying to model their life after. And here he is at the end of his life, and he's trying to give some encouragement to these, to these young Christians in the faith. And he says, look, not that I have already obtained or am already perfect. <clears throat> he's saying, you know, I, I've been working my whole life, and, and I haven't obtained this Christ-likeness that I'm, that I'm calling you to. 
And this is a man who is aware of his imperfection. This is a man who's aware of his strengths and his weaknesses. And, and it's a recognition of, of knowing that as long as we're walking in this life, we haven't attained it yet. We're, we're still striving to be like Christ. Because who's the perfect example? Christ is. And, and I find this most encouraging. And I think for, for any believer to, to recognize this, it becomes most encouraging because what Paul is saying is that even though I may have all of this religious credentials, even though I may have all of this religious heritage and background, I'm no different than anyone else. You know, he's, he's not a man who's puffed up by his own status or his own good works. He, he's putting us all on a level playing field. You know, and, and he's giving us permission to not to have to worry about having it all together. You know, uh, I think for, for, for most new Christians, there's the, the struggle that, that they never do enough. You know, that, that they never, they're never going to get there, that they're never going to do enough. And, and we can rest in the fact that, no, we won't. <laughs> but, but the point is not to do enough. The point is to just pursue Christ. The point is to, to pursue being like Christ. And so we have to be aware of ourselves and not, and not fall into the trap of comparison with other believers or, or, or other people and, and to, to try to measure ourselves up to their standard, but to measure ourselves up to God and, and, and say, you know, yeah, I'm never going to be like that, but I can strive and I can pursue that. And, 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 and that's what the race is. It's, it's continually striving, trying to get to the end. And so we need to be aware that, that we're in the same position. All believers, there's, there's no one who's greater than anyone else. There may be someone who knows more than you, but, but before God, we, we stand the same. We're all sinful, we're all broken, and we're all in need of His grace. So not that we have already obtained it or have become perfect, but so we don't have to just be aware, but, but the second part of verse 12 is this, that in verse 2, he says, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We have to give it our all. Any athlete worthy of the sport that he's participating in never enters into a competition half-heartedly. A, a man who, who walks up to the starting line at the Boston Marathon doesn't start off in a, in a slow jog. He doesn't start off in a full sprint either, but, but, but he doesn't go into it half-hearted whether or not, you know, caring whether or not he wins or loses. You know, the, the sports phrase is he either goes big or he goes home. And when, <clears throat> when we talk about pursuing the life of Christ, Paul was an individual who wouldn't quit. As a religious zealot, he, he took his responsibilities to the extreme level, to the point where he was killing people for his cause. That's someone who is driven. That is someone who is determined. But when he became a Christian, did his, did his discipline or his, his drive, the, did it change? No, it was still there. It was just fueled by stronger and, and more worthy causes. And so he, he goes and, and he proclaims Christ in spite of being beaten 39 times with a rod. In spite of being stoned and left for dead, he still continues to go back into the city and tell people about Jesus. Throw him in prison, he doesn't care. He'll tell the jailers about Christ. 
be the object of an angry mom, not concerned. He'll stand in the middle of them and he'll tell them about Christ. Paul's life was, was consumed by this, this drive to, to get the message of Jesus Christ out. He gave it all that he had. He says, but I press on to make it my own. And all for one reason. Because Christ had pursued him. Christ met him on the road. When he thought he was at his best, he was at his worst. Christ met him, changed his life, and, and he understood the gospel. That except for Christ coming and dying for his sin, he would spend an eternity in hell. And that drove him to do what he could for Christ. And so Paul knew what he was deserving of. And that's what, that's what fueled this determination to pursue Christ. But how about us as Christians? Do we understand the price that was paid for our salvation? Is, is that what drives us to, to, to do for Christ, to pursue Christ's likeness? I hope not because of the evidence that's seen in and around us by other Christians. But if we would quit living half-heartedly mediocre lives and begin to give it our all for Christ, wouldn't we look more like Him? Wouldn't those around us begin to see Christ in us and, and the message of Christ would begin to, to spread like wildfire. So we don't only need to be aware, but we have to give it all we have. The third thing I see here, the, the thing that, that Paul draws out is we have to stay focused. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As any athlete knows, if you're going to give it your all, you have to keep your, <clears throat> your eye on the prize. Any runner who constantly looks behind him while he's running a race, will he soon be passed? Yeah, because if he's constantly turned around, he can't focus on, on his steps. And it slows him down. And Paul understood that in order for us to have success in pursuing Christ, you can't live in your past. You can't keep looking behind. Now, athletes are, are individuals who love to, to live in the past, especially in the past that they had good careers. I saw a, an interview yesterday with a, a basketball player who played back in the the, the mid to late 70s, and, and he was reminiscing about all that he used to be able to do. And now all he can do is sit around and talk about how he hurts and how he aches and, and, and how he wishes he could play as well as he used to. And, and you know, it, it's, it's one thing to live in the past in that sense, but, but as we grow older and, and our body grows weaker, you know, all we have to look forward to are the memories of the past, but but when it comes to pursuing Christ, do we gain anything by, by living in the past? Before we came to Christ, is the past what, what was sending us to hell? And, and in fact, the number one tool that Satan loves to use with, with I was going to say with, with, with weak believers, but I would say with all believers, he loves to bring up our past. He loves to remind us of, of all that we used to do or, or, or remind us of, of how we're not worthy based upon who we used to be. And I'm sure Satan probably tempted Paul with this all the time. To, to live with the, the nightmares that Paul had of, of his former life of, of killing individuals who were following Christ. 
But look at what the remedy is to that. Paul, Paul says, look, he says, this one thing I do. You know, if, there, if there's anything that we can do as Christians, we can do this. Forgetting about the past. Forgetting what lies behind and straining. Giving it all you have, reaching forward to what lies ahead in Christ. <clears throat> too many people, too many Christians allow Satan to, to, keep, to use the past to keep them from pursuing Christ. To keep them from pursuing what God would have them do. In fact, you, you may have heard before, but, but one of the, the best pieces of advice is this, is that when every time that Satan tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. You know, we are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. New things have come. <clears throat> and so, you know, we can, we can forget the past. We should learn from the past. But we shouldn't live in it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't dwell on those things. Forget the past and move forward. And stay focused on living our life in a way that's pleasing to God and, and what He wants us to do. And when you're, you're busy running the race, you're too busy to dwell on the past mistakes. You don't, if you trip and fall in a race, you don't sit there and, and, and try to figure out how you fell down. You get up and you keep on running. So we must be aware and give it our all and stay focused. But the, the fourth thing I want you to see is in verse 15 and 16. It says we have to know the requirements. It says in verse 15, Let <clears throat> those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. When any athlete prepares for an event... It's not only important to know the rules of the, the competition, but it's also important to know the requirements in order to qualify. Uh, Paul was one who was completely committed to Christ, and, and he knew he wasn't the only one. Uh, he knew that in, in order to pursue this life of Christ, you had to remember the steps to, to living a life in pursuit of Christ. The, the being aware, the giving it your all, the staying focused, keeping your eyes on the goal. And so he had prepared himself and, and he had lived according to these requirements. And as, as believers, he urges us to, to think and act in this similar way. You know? And, and he knew that, that, that there are times when we're going to lack instruction. There's times when we're going to, to struggle to, to know what it is we should do. But, but even in those times, God will, will make it known to us. God will not bring us so far just to leave us hanging. And so when we per, pursue the Christ in this, this lifelong uh, race, that you know, we, would, we would begin to look around us and begin to model what we see go before us in, in, in stronger Christians and more mature Christians. Not necessarily imitating them, but following them. Because who has obtained this perfection? Who is, who is worthy to imitate except for Christ? But we do need to know what's expected of us. We need to know that uh, the, the requirements that, that it takes to run the race. You know, the, <clears throat> of, of, of being aware and, and staying focused and giving it our all. <clears throat> and so we can, we can trust God that even when we don't know what to do, that He will lead us in the right direction. And, <clears throat> and, and we can trust his, his guidance living in His Spirit and knowing that, that God's not out there waiting to trip us waiting for us to fall. He, he's there at the finish line cheering us on. 
but it's our responsibility to, to know what is expected, to be in His Word, to, to know the requirements, to live the life that He calls us to. So in preparing to, to live a life of pursuing Christ, we have to be aware, give it our all, stay focused in other requirements. And, and that's the preparation. It's, it's not comprehensive, but it is essential. But what about the procedure? Look at verses 17 through 19. When an athlete runs a race, does he, does he let his arms flail all about and around and, and take these big, long, gangly steps and, 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 and just run like there's no form to him? Or is there a certain type of form? Is there a certain type of way to run a race? Is there a, a wrong way and a right way to, to play a sport? And when it comes to pursuing a life lived in Christ, is there a, a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things? Of course. And so just as, as Paul had given us steps in, in pursuing a life in Christ, he gives us steps to the, to the procedure or the application to pursue Christ. Look at verse 17. He says, To follow the right examples, <clears throat> brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. If you ask any great athlete who their favorite athlete is, they can tell you of someone who they've tried to model their life after. Someone that they've tried to, to emulate because they want to have the same type of success, the same type of greatness that that athlete had. And Paul knows the value of a great role model. When we were at the end of chapter 2 and he tells us of, of Timothy and Epaphroditus, you know, he, he saw the importance of, of, of not only discipling young men, but but being a role model for them so that they can carry on. And in order for us to, to have success in pursuing Christ, we need good examples to live our lives by. We need to follow the right examples. And Christ is the perfect example. But for those of us who haven't had the privilege of, of living when Christ walked on this earth, sometimes don't we need somebody with skin on? Don't we need somebody that, that we can look to and, and say, you know... <coughs> I, I want to follow Christ like they follow Christ. I want to have the, the type of relationship that, that they have in Christ. And, and, and most of the time these people are older. These people are, are uh, definitely should be more mature spiritually. But as Christians, we need to surround ourselves with these types of people. To learn, to, to allow ourselves to be teachable. You know, part of the, the attitude of so many people is, I got this. I don't need help. I can do this, but, but don't we need someone sometimes to help us? Someone to set the example, someone to, to look to, 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 to help model ourselves after? And so we need to surround ourselves by these types of people. But, but for those of us who may be spiritually mature, don't we need to make ourselves available as an example? Don't we need to be willing to help those who are struggling, to help those who, who need a good example? You know, I, I, I've said it before. I never wanted to be a good example. I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't want that pressure. But isn't it our, our duty as Christians to help other people? So that, that that means we have to sacrifice something that that we may want to do that may not be offensive to us, but it could be found offensive to others. We need to uh, refrain from doing those things because we need to set the example. 
And so we need to, to spend some time there. And we need to, to, to not only follow in the right examples, but we need to lead in the right examples as well. Which brings us to the second point that, that Paul says here. He says, you know, to follow the right examples, but to, to flee from your enemies. In verses 18 and 19, he says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. You know, a, a good athlete has individuals who can't stand him. Uh, and, and, and whether it's because that person is jealous of their skill or talent or just because they can't stand the fact that somebody could be better than they are, there will always be those out there who will try to, to trip us up, deceive us, cheat us, Get ahead by any means necessary. And Paul was constantly com- combating against those who were trying to lead others astray in the church. We saw last week how there were some in the church who were religious, who were leading people down the wrong path. They looked like they had good motives, but they weren't. They were, they were trying to, to cause harm. And they would come behind him, and, and, and they began to teach false doctrine and, and, and to try to prevent people from following Christ completely. And as, as individuals who are pursuing Christ, you know, it's, it's easy to, to be led astray by individuals who look good and sound good. But from the inside, they're, they're destructive at their core. And as, as Christians, and as our, we pursue living like Christ, we need to, to, to stay away from people who, who is evident that, that they're enemies of the cross. That they, that they may be uh, those who, who are in the church may be those that are outside of the church. And they may look good and have a good walk and a, and a good, or appear to have a good walk but and, and a good talk, but, but God will make us aware. God will lead us. God will, 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 will enlighten us to those dangers. And we need to stay away from them. Just the, the, the wolves in sheep clothing that, that Jesus talks about through the Gospels. You know, the, the individuals, and Paul goes on to describe them here to help us identify them. It's, it's those who, who's in this disruption, but who glory in their shame. People who are proud of, of, of when they get up on, on one another or take advantage of one another. Of the, the, it says that the, their, their, their God is their belly. They give of themselves to their, their fleshly desires. Whether it's too much drink or, 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 or too much food or, or any type of addiction, any type of things that, that the appetites of the flesh become their God. Or those that, that live for what they can gain from this world and have little concern of, of what comes after. And, and all of that to say, is that, the, is that the goal of someone who is pursuing Christ? Is that the type of person who we should be following in the example of? But isn't that the example of most people in this world? Charlie and I were talking this morning in our Sunday school about the way society and culture has gotten to. It's all about greed. It's all about what you can gain, how you can get a one-up on somebody. And even in the church that happens where you you have preachers who will come through who are just looking for a stepping stone to the next level. Or it's people who come into the church to see what they can gain from the church to their advantage. 
And these are the people who are enemies of the cross. These are the ones that Paul says, flee. Stay away from them because they're not healthy in your pursuit of Christ. And so we must follow the right example and flee from our enemies. But what are we running for? We prepare ourselves and we, and we follow the right procedures. What do we run for? We run for the prize. Look at verses 20 and 21. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. The prize is our reward is in heaven. A couple of weeks ago, we had the Super Bowl, and and at the Super Bowl, would the fans have been satisfied with the tied score? Would the players have been satisfied with the tied score to end the game? Or must there be a winner? And and any athlete that enters into competition, he enters in it to win it. And as followers of Christ, in our pursuit of Christ. The end is our reward. Heaven is our reward. Our our earthly bodies glorified is our reward. Paul told us in in chapter 1 for him, to die was gain. Because it meant that he he could leave the things of this world and be entered into the presence of the Father. And as we pursue Christ, we have to remember that there is a reward awaiting us. And if we live our life in this pursuit of Christ's likeness, if we forget about what lies behind and we focus, we strain forward to that, to what Christ has in store for us, we get to receive this citizenship of heaven. And isn't citizenship important? Is anyone in here glad that they're a citizen of the United States instead of North Korea or China? You know, in, in Paul's day, it literally meant the difference between being served or being a slave. Citizenship was everything. And, and we take pride in, in being citizens of a first world country here in America. And, but even with all of the, the freedoms and liberties that we have as Americans, can you imagine how that com- just pales in comparison to being a citizen of heaven? Eternal. It, it's, it's forever. And it's, and it's paradise. But not only that, here's the one that should, should really have our attention He says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Instead of these busted up, aching, old, creaking, falling apart bodies that we have, we'll be made anew. No more disease, no more illness, no more pain. But we'll be like Christ who, when he was raised on the third day, was in his glorified body. Before he went into the tomb, he was barely recognizable as a man. He came out of the tomb with the light of glory shining around him. And he was complete. He was made whole. And and the Bible tells us that when we run this race, when we give it our all, when we, we follow these things, when we pursue a life of being like Christ, we will be like Him. And so this morning, the the encouragement is this, is that for us to run the race, not to live half-heartedly, not to just to, to, to make 
uh, this Christian walk a, a fun run to where if we feel like running, we will. If we feel like walking, we will walk. But to give it our all. To not follow Christ with, with 50% or 70%, but to, to follow Him with 100%. And so, <clears throat> the question I want to leave this morning with is, is this. You know, are we, <clears throat> are we running the race to win it? I want to read for you a verse that we've had in here, and it says this. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us press on. Let us forget the things that lie behind. And let us run the race and run it well. Father, as we close out this morning, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to be in your house. We ask that you would just uh, be with us and, and, and watch over us as we... Uh, uh, as we leave here today, that we would run this race and we would run it well, that we would pursue the things of you and that we wouldn't, wouldn't focus on the things of this world or, or even our own fleshly desires, but, but that we would, we would have a heart for the things that, that you want us to have, that we would pursue you and pursue you with all of our heart and that we would give it all we have in order to, to be like you so that we could help others become like you to do what you've called us to do. So, Father, as we close out this morning, be with us. Father, show us where we fall short. Help us to, to regain our, our, our foothold and to, to keep pursuing you, forgetting what lies behind and stretching out to, to what you have ahead for us. And we love you for all that you do, and we ask these things in your name. Amen.